Hello and welcome to The Corporate Casket, a semi-weekly series where bad businesses go to die. We will discuss any and everything from bad charities, terrible CEOs, and businesses that have a lot to hide. I'm the Illuminati, and today we're going to be discussing the situation surrounding Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. For those of you who aren't aware, celebrities Amber Heard and Johnny Depp were in a relationship and Amber alleged that Johnny abused her when in fact, Amber has admitted to abusing him in a voice recording. This isn't a completely black and white situation. I don't think either of them are completely innocent and we're going to get into both sides and see if the truth lies with either one of them or somewhere in the middle. Regardless, these situations are incredibly frustrating to hear about and watch it unfold because this mess of allegations makes it so much more difficult for victims to be believed. I don't often talk about celebrities on this channel unless they're directly involved with a bad business. However, there are a lot of aspects to this case that I found worth diving into. It's also worth noting that this is still ongoing, but as of writing this, this is about what we got. I've also been keeping up with Ready to Glare's multiple videos on the situation, and I wanted to talk about some of the lesser known and nitty gritty aspects of the situation. But first, we'll start with a bit of a timeline as to how this all began. And for those of you that may be sensitive to the topic of domestic abuse, I pretty much recommend skipping this video because it's just gonna be all over the place. So let's get into it. To start, Amber Heard, most known for her role in the Aquaman movies and Johnny Depp, probably most well-known from Pirates of the Caribbean, met in 2009 on the set of The Rum Diary. Amber was in a relationship with photographer and painter Tasia Van Rie at the time, and USA Today reported that same year that Amber was arrested for physically assaulting Van Rie. All charges were dropped, however. Van Vree herself said that Amber was wrongfully accused by cops who misinterpreted and over-sensationalized the incident. Ree spoke up about this in more recent years and said that, I recount hints of misogynistic attitudes towards us, which Alter appeared to be homophobic when they found out we were in domestic partnership, not just friends. Charges were quickly dropped and she was released moments later. Van Rie and Amber stayed together until about 2012, but earlier that year, she and Johnny Depp began dating. Johnny Depp recently separated from his longtime partner, Paradis, around this time as well. Two years later, they were engaged. They married in February, 2015, and only a few months in, they were breaking laws together. In July, both Depp and Heard breached Australia's biosecurity laws when they failed to declare their dogs, Yorkshire Terriers, when they arrived in the country. They did release an apology video together after this, an apology video, which was honestly, it was incredibly bizarre, scripted sounding and stilted. Plenty of people made fun of this apology at the time, but it was largely forgotten. However, just a year later in May, 2016, Amber filed for divorce and obtained a temporary restraining order against Johnny Depp, alleging that he physically abused her throughout the relationship, usually while under the influence of drugs and alcohol. According to Insider, She alleged that at the time of filing for divorce, an incident had recently taken place in which Depp threw his phone at her, leaving her with a bruised face. However, police spokesperson told People that an investigation into the domestic incident radio call found no crime had taken place. 
Depp denied these accusations and through his representatives said Heard was attempting to secure a premature financial resolution by alleging abuse. This particular scenario will come up again later, so tuck that away and remember it. Johnny Depp apparently threw a phone at her and left her with bruises. Before the divorce was finalized, it was said that Amber Heard was going to receive $7 million from it and she withdrew her request for a domestic violence restraining order. According to Amber though, she donated or intended to donate the money to a charity. She was even acknowledged on the Children's Hospital Los Angeles donor list honor roll. In an interview with People, Heard said the following. As described in the restraining order and divorce settlement, money played no role for me personally and never was, except to the extent that I could donate it to charity and in doing so, hopefully help those less able to defend themselves. She added that the donation would be divided amongst a number of charities, but with a particular focus to stop violence against women, as well as the Children's Hospital Los Angeles, where she has worked as a volunteer for the past 10 years. So the divorce was finalized. Amber Heard was with Elon Musk in a sort of on again, off again relationship, and things were generally quiet for a little while between the two. I mean, yes, they were in a messy divorce, relatively speaking, but it was quiet. However, in 2018, everything changed when Amber stepped forward to say she'd been abused. In late 2018, Amber Heard wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post, and it read, Like many women, I had been harassed and sexually assaulted by the time I was of college age, but I kept quiet. I did not expect filing complaints to bring justice. I didn't see myself as a victim. Then two years ago, I became a public figure representing domestic abuse, and I felt the full force of our culture's wrath for women who speak out. Friends and advisors told me I would never work again as an actress, that I would be blacklisted. A movie I was attached to recast my role. I had just shot a two-year campaign as the face of a global fashion brand and the company dropped me. Questions arose as to whether I would be able to keep my role as Murrah in the movies Justice League and Aquaman. I had a rare vantage point of seeing in real time how institutions protect men accused of abuse. Imagine a powerful man as a ship like the Titanic. That ship is a huge enterprise. When it strikes an iceberg, there are a lot of people on board desperate to patch up holes, not because they believe in or even care about the ship, but because their own fates depend on the enterprise. This obviously brought a lot of attention to her and Johnny Depp's relationship. An article from The Sun came out months earlier calling Johnny Depp a wife beater. And even though Amber Heard didn't name Johnny in the article for the Washington Post, it was obvious to many what she was talking about, being beaten by Johnny Depp. There were 14 instances that were later brought to the public eye. I'm not going to go into depth on every single one of them. And if you'd like to see them, they're available in my sources. But according to The Guardian, the first assault allegedly took place after Heard joked about a tattoo Depp had during his relationship with the actor Winona Ryder, which originally read Winona Forever, but was altered to Winnow Forever after they split. Heard claimed Depp got angry, knocked her to the floor, then cried and apologized, saying sometimes he turned into a monster. Most other occasions listed where when Depp had been drinking and on drugs, then he allegedly pushed Heard, grabbed her hair, and even grabbed her by the throat. During another instance in April, 2016, shortly before they split up and before the supposed assault with a phone, Amber Heard had apparently purposefully defecated on their bed after he grabbed her hair and threw champagne bottles at her. During this time, as Amber spoke out, the media largely began taking her side and many sources praised Amber for stepping forward. She even shared an open letter during a hashtag MeToo anniversary event. Now, what bothered a lot of people is that around the time Amber Heard started began saying, hey, I'm a domestic abuse victim, is that she began getting hired for talks. Ready to Glare talks about this one particular topic and I absolutely agree with her stance when she says that, 
even if we're pretending we're Switzerland and completely neutral, this doesn't make sense for a multitude of reasons. Primarily, when accusations have come out and they aren't confirmed and a case is ongoing, Amber shouldn't be hired to speak out as if it's already been decided. I'm not saying that anyone who speaks out about their own trauma has to have their abuser be convicted in order to be taken seriously or to be believed. However, in a very public way like this, a celebrity being paid $33,000 to talk about her abuse when the legal battles are ongoing, it really rubs me the wrong way. Another source states, according to the Harry Walker Agency, you can now hire Amber Heard to be a keynote speaker. One of the topics she covers is domestic violence and being a survivor. The agency website describes Heard as an outspoken advocate for women's rights and for the civil rights of survivors of all gender-based violence around the world and states that Amber works with organizations that encourage survivors both personally and politically to come forward and reclaim their power. Amber makes frequent trips to DC to lobby and fight on behalf of the civil rights of women and the innumerable silent survivors of gender-based violence. However, as hectic and chaotic as things were at this time and how seemingly solid her story was, there was still another side to the story that was yet to be told. And that was Johnny Depp's. In 2019, Johnny Depp filed a $50 million defamation suit. After all, being called a wife beater by the Sun wasn't exactly doing wonders for his reputation as an actor. This lawsuit was incredibly messy to say the least. Johnny Depp's libel action against the Sun for calling him a wife beater meant that Amber Heard, a slew of onlookers, the Sun, and Johnny Depp himself had to turn up at the high court and determine if there was actually substantial evidence to call Johnny Depp a wife beater. Even the BBC calls it a strange court case and their journalist wrote outside the courthouse, a woman holding a cardboard box offered me a small brown envelope. Inside was a black and white bandana and a personal note of thanks from Johnny Depp. The woman who was part of the actor's entourage disappeared into court. And as all around my fans and onlookers began to inspect their new scarves, the rest of Britain was on lockdown. Buses and streets in central London were deserted. And yet here outside the Royal Courts of Justice, there was a crowd, sometimes more than 200 strong. Some wore masks, but when Johnny Depp arrived, all attempts at social distancing collapsed in a crush to catch a glimpse. Inside the high court, it was even more peculiar. The Royal Courts of Justice are huge, Gothic, and deeply solemn. It's a place of stone arches and hushed tones. And in July, it was almost empty. I say almost because there were a few people, a handful of journalists hurrying through security and also lingering in the hallways and passages, a scattering of Depp fans. One woman showed me her arms, which were covered in tattoos of Johnny Depp. Another man arrived each day dressed as Jack Sparrow, the star's character in Pirates of the Caribbean. And then around 10 each day, they would gather at the door of court 13. As Depp walked past, they would offer messages of support and towards the end of the case, he was seen giving them all a hug. A little chant of Johnny, Johnny could be heard as he walked into court. After these 14 accusations came out, the BBC even stated that there was a 15th allegation too traumatic and personal to be heard in open court. This felt more like a criminal trial than one of libel, and it became all too easy for the media and public to forget this was a battle between Depp and The Sun. After all, no one from the newspaper was called to the witness stand. The names cited were everyone from Elon Musk to Winona Ryder, dissecting these two's relationship for the world to see. The thing is, what I want to make tremendously clear here is that this was a libel case, not a criminal libel. Personally, I think that if it were a criminal suit, things may have been handled incredibly differently in court, but that's just my opinion. I'm no lawyer and I won't pretend to know all the proper proceedings here. But I think there's at least certain aspects of the case that may have been emphasized more. 
After all, I'm sure most of you know that Depp lost this case. However, multiple pieces of evidence came out from the Johnny Depp side of things that may have swayed the public, but not the judge. So let's get into that and possibly why that is. One of the most massive things I've seen referenced again and again in this case is the audio of Amber mocking Johnny and admitting to having hit him. She says, you didn't get punched, you got hit. I fucking was hitting you. I don't know what the motion of my hand was, but you're fine. The point isn't that Johnny was fine, obviously. The point is that you never lay hands on someone else in anger. Little kids learn this. Hopefully all of you know this. Even if someone physically recovers or doesn't suffer any lasting consequences from being hit, that doesn't make it okay. Just as Amber had photos, it turns out so did Johnny. Johnny Depp even claimed that on one occasion, Amber threw a vodka bottle at him, which severed the top of his finger and crushed the bones. Amber denied this, saying that he injured it while pulling a phone off the wall-mounted telephone. This is when he had suffered a mental break and began writing on mirrors in a panic as shown in photos from some of the sources. Johnny Depp's lawyer said that this new evidence proved Amber was the abuser, not Johnny. In fact, witnesses began stepping forward to defend Johnny. Mr. Duders, the president of Johnny Depp's production company said that he saw Amber on many occasions and not once did he see any evidence of injury to her. In fact, he said that he saw Amber speaking in an increasingly aggressive manner to Johnny on a flight when an incident is alleged to have taken place. Miss Heard took great offense at what was clearly a harmless gesture and increased her abuse of Mr. Depp in an extremely unpleasant manner, he said. Mr. Duders said that he and Mr. Depp's former private security guard decided to intervene and Mr. Depp spent the rest of the flight in the bathroom. This was a common theme on the multiple times when Mr. Depp was abused by Miss Heard. He would take himself away from the situation, often to a bathroom and lock himself out of harm's way, he said. Mr. Duders said that the day after the flight, Mr. Depp asked him to mollify Miss Heard and to say whatever was needed to try and placate her. Given Miss Heard's extremely volatile nature, I thought it was best to try and engage her with her own terms and simply apologize for what she was alleging and had happened. Hence the use of my word kicked, which is as Miss Heard said herself had used, he said. As I have made clear, Mr. Depp had not kicked Miss Heard. Mr. Duders also spoke about the couple's trip to Australia in March, 2015, during which it is alleged Mr. Depp assaulted Miss Heard and completely destroyed a house in a drink and drug fueled rage, which the actor denies. Mr. Depp alleged his finger was severed by Miss Heard throwing a vodka bottle at him, which she denies. Mr. Duders claimed that the day after the alleged incident, Mr. Depp told him and two others he had sustained an injury when Miss Heard had thrown a bottle at him, which smashed on his hand. Now, I don't know Mr. Duders. I have no idea if he's telling the truth, but personally, I wouldn't let this sway me. He's the president of Johnny Depp's production company. He's obviously going to be biased. I'm not saying that means he's lying. It just means I understand why someone might take this with a lot of suspicion. Johnny Depp's penthouse supervisor also said she saw no visible injuries to Amber's face after she supposedly sustained injuries after being hit in the face with a mobile phone either. However, one source claims that not only did this supervisor say she saw no injuries, but so did a police officer. LAPD officer Melissa Sains said she saw no marks on Amber's face after the incident in May, 2016. Ms. Sains specializes in domestic violence and said her face was red. It was clear she had been crying. However, after an extremely thorough examination of Amber's face and head, she didn't see any injuries. She also remarked that Amber was uncooperative with police and unwilling to make a statement. 
I'm not going to speculate about Amber being unwilling to make a statement. That's completely up to her. Not all domestic assault victims will want to. However, this is the first massive notable lie Amber was caught in. She claims there was a significant amount of damage done to her face to these news sources like The Sun. Yet this LAPD officer says she didn't see any. Is it at all possible that Melissa Sainz is lying? Yes, absolutely it is. After all, Sainz says she was there for 30 to 60 minutes, but CCTV footage from the house says she was there for closer to 15 minutes. Even so, I see no reason for this officer to lie about seeing a mark on Amber's cheek. Another person that stepped forward against Amber was a former assistant of hers, Kate James, who was fired by Amber in February, 2015. Kate claimed that Amber didn't care about throwing anyone under the bus if it meant saving her own skin. According to Deadline, she claimed Heard 34 had hired the woman to work as a set assistant, James said in her written statement. Savannah, a British citizen, had been held in immigration and questioned about the frequency that she had been coming and going from the USA. In Amber's letter, she called it fraudulent that it was being alleged that Savannah was working for Amber unlawfully. She, Miss Heard, said that as Savannah's friend, she could say truthfully and unequivocally that this allegation is entirely false. I would like to go on the record saying that Savannah McMillan is a personal friend and to my knowledge has never worked unlawfully or otherwise in the United States or for me. James alleged in her statements that she knew this to be untrue and Amber was therefore willfully lying to the US Immigration Department. She added that she took a photo of the letter and a paycheck from Miss Heard to McMillan. Her statement also referred to the episode when Heard faced criminal proceedings over her dogs entering Australia illegally. She claimed she had attempted to talk to Heard about a date discrepancy in the time needed for the dog's immigration process, but said the actress's eyes would glaze over and she would walk away. According to this former assistant, Amber Heard felt she was above the law. Kate said she ignored her and deliberately smuggled those dogs in and even wanted her estate manager to sign a statement saying that they didn't know the dogs weren't ready to be taken in hence the throwing the people under the bus part. Another source says that Kate James didn't call Amber self-serving, but that she even stole her sexual assault experience. The Guardian writes, James said she had been a victim of rape in Brazil when she was in her 20s and that the experience had haunted her ever since. When she read Heard's submissions, James said, to my utter shock and dismay, I discovered that Miss Heard had in fact stolen my sexual violence conversation with her and twisted it into her own story to benefit herself. This of course caused me extreme distress and outrage that she would dare to attempt to use the most harrowing experience of my life as her own narrative. James told the court that although she had been subpoenaed to give evidence, she was doing so because she is a sexual violence survivor and it's very serious to take that stance if you are not one. At that point, Sasha Was QC representing the son abandoned her cross-examination of James. Referring to Heard's drinking habits, James said in a witness statement, Amber would drink vast quantities of red wine each night. In court questioned by Depp's counsel, David Sherborne, James added, I would receive a barrage of drunken text messages between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. that were incoherent and abusive. In a final comment, James said Heard was probably the least known person she had ever been employed by in Hollywood. And if this is all true, it's pretty disgusting. I have no way of knowing this, so I'm not going to say anything more than that. Obviously, someone could argue that this former assistant had a bias against Amber. A lot of people there testified had biases. The police officer was probably one of the only examples I could find of someone that didn't seem to outwardly have one. I have my own biases when I go into each of my episodes. It's pretty much impossible to have some kind of bias-free stance. Like you can, you can be pretty neutral, but everyone's got a slight lean no matter which way you are. 
I've even accidentally quoted people or sources that have very obvious biases behind the scenes, but present themselves as credible. For this particular script, I just wanted to make it clear that finding an unbiased opinion was almost impossible. So I'm trying to find the truth and evidence between both sides, find the gray area and kind of re-sculpt it. How Amber presented in court didn't really do her any favors either. One YouTube channel called Observe focuses on nonverbal communication, which, oh my God, I'm obsessed with nonverbal communication. This channel is everything to me. I'm so happy they blew the fuck up. Though this channel's videos are for entertainment purposes only, I'm not trying to say this is legal evidence or admissible in court or anything. The professional redone on Amber Heard suggested she was extremely uncomfortable with the questions the judge asked her. And by that, I don't mean she was uncomfortable talking about the assault, but she just didn't like answering questions from the judge in general. She consistently deflected, answered yes or no questions with long answers that said very little, and her lawyer objected during her questioning incredibly frequently. Seriously, watching her behavior in court was interesting, I'll say that much. Evidence was presented against Amber as a stylist that worked with the couple, Samantha McMillan, spoke out. According to The Guardian, McMillan said she spent much of the afternoon and early evening of 16 December, 2015 with Heard as the star prepared to appear on James Corden's The Late Late Show. She said she could see clearly that Heard had no marks, cuts, or bruises. McMillan said in a witness statement, after the show, Miss Heard said to me, can you believe I just did that show with two black eyes? Miss Heard did not have any black eyes and had been visibly uninjured throughout the day and at that moment. McMillan said she later learned that Heard accused Depp of violently abusing her the previous night. The housekeeper, Hilda Vargas, also confirmed that Amber did defecate on the bed as she was the one that found the pile of feces. She said it was clear it was human and it was too much to come from their small dogs. Vargas also said she often witnessed or heard Amber yelling at others and claimed Amber had a bad temper. Yet again, just as we mentioned with this unbiased sourcing, both of these women do seem to still currently work for Johnny Depp. That doesn't mean they're lying by any means, but it is worth noting that they would obviously want the best for him as he is also their employer. However, I really can't bring up this assault without the other ones being leaked around this time too. Johnny Depp does have a history, both recent and old, of assaulting people when he gets drunk. That much is a fact. I'm not saying this proves he assaulted Amber in any way in which she described or even at all, but it's important to make note of. The actor, Greg Rocky Brooks, said that Depp punished him twice in the ribs outside LA Barclays Hotel when he reeked of alcohol. According to the BBC, As part of the altercation, Mr. Brooks alleges that after Depp had verbally and physically assaulted him, the actor offered him $100,000 to punch him in the face in return. The location manager is seeking unspecified damages from Depp, director Brad Furman, producer Miriam Furman, and the production company, Good Film Productions. According to the court documents, when Mr. Brooks approached an onsite police officer, Depp allegedly intervened, shouting explicitives and telling them, you have no right to tell me what to do. Depp is then said to have punched Mr. Brooks twice in the ribs. The legal documents also include an allegation of unfair dismissal. Mr. Brooks claims he was sacked from his role as location manager for refusing to sign a declaration stating he would not sue the production company. Other sources claim that Johnny Depp's bodyguards also had to protect Depp from himself and his vices while in public. The bodyguards claim they were forced to quit because of the toxic and dangerous work environment Depp created, as well as the constant labor code violations of their employment. They state they have no ill will towards him. This is only more evidence that when Johnny Depp is abusing various substances, things can get, well, dangerous. 
some recent articles have even looked deep into his past and brought up how he notoriously tore up a hotel room in the 90s, causing $8,000 worth of damage. In 1989, he was arrested for assaulting a hotel security guard, and then in 1999, arrested again for threatening paparazzi. Again, all of this doesn't mean he hit or abused Amber, and his ex-wives or partners have said that he's sensitive and loving. But at the very least, the idea that Johnny Depp becomes violent when other the influence is not out of the scope of possibilities. And now before we continue to turn the lens back onto Amber and what exactly happened with all of that charity money, let's just take a quick moment to hear from today's sponsor. Sometimes I just don't have the energy to cook, especially when it comes to cooking something healthy. And let me tell you, there's been many a night where I have sacrificed my hunger to chicken McNuggets to only get really sick afterwards. And honestly, I don't feel too great when I end up eating takeout for almost every meal, but that changed when I found Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest delivers fresh food built on all organic fruits and vegetables right to your door. It literally takes minutes to prepare and I never have to think twice about the food I'm eating. Daily Harvest is also ready when you are. Everything stays fresh in your freezer until you're ready to enjoy it so you waste less food too. And they have a lot more than just smoothies, although their smoothies are absolutely incredible. The chocolate and mint, I think I've mentioned this before, like I'm not a huge chocolate and mint person, but oh my God, was it delicious? And Daily Harvest never uses any preservatives, added sugars, or artificial anything, including their recently launched almond milk, which is just almonds and a dash of sea salt. That's it. And it's super convenient because it's easy to use in the smoothies. You just put a little bit of the almond milk in and put it into your smoothie, blend it up, and voila, complete. So if you wanna get started today, make sure to go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code casket to get $25 off your first box. Again, that's promo code casket for $25 off your first box, dailyharvest.com. For most of us, learning a second language in high school or college wasn't exactly a high point of our academic careers. I remember, for example, I tried to take a Japanese class in college and it did not go well for me. I had to withdraw from the class I did so poorly. Now, thanks to Babbel, the number one selling language learning app, there's an addictively fun way and an easy way to learn a new language. Whether you'll be traveling abroad, finally, because we're getting closer to allowing that happen, to connecting in a deeper way with a family member or a partner, or maybe you just have some free time. Babbel teaches bite-sized language lessons that you'll actually learn in the real world. Now, some of you know that I actually used to live in Italy and I used to actually go to an Italian school and learn you know, my math and history and all of that in Italian. But as I got older, I started to kind of forget how to speak the language. And when I visited Bella Napoli again in 2018, I fell all the way in love with Italy once again. And that's where I used to live by the way, was Naples. And I absolutely loved it there. And I wish I could have spoken the language a little better. So Babbel approaching me to work with us and the channel was fantastic because hey, they're great at teaching Italian. Babbel's 15 minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go without it being overwhelming, which is really important to me because the start of learning a new language or even just refreshing a language is so intimidating. And with Babbel, you can choose from more than 14 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, obviously, and German. Plus Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciations and accents. So start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free, and that's six months for the price of three. 
If you're ready to get started, just go to babbel.com and use promo code allies. That's babbel.com code allies for an extra three months for free. Babbel, language for life. And now back to Amber Heard here. Just as articles were coming out about Johnny Depp's history and began questioning his character, plenty of Depp fans began questioning Amber's character as well. Johnny Depp's lawyers apparently issued subpoenas in 2020, questioning if Amber actually donated to the charities that she said she would after their divorce. Remember how she won $7 million and promised to split it between the American Civil Liberties Union and Children's Hospital Los Angeles? Well, it doesn't seem like those donations really happened the way she claimed they did. Now, keep in mind that divorce money is Amber's. It's technically hers to do with whatever she wants. However, promising money to charity only to go back on your word is questionable to say the least. According to my sources, one of these subpoenas was also issued to Elon Musk as some believe that Elon Musk may have donated the money for her, committing perjury by claiming it was her own. Making things all the more confusing, sources learned that half a million dollar donation in 2017 and a quarter million donating in 2018, both in honor of Amber Heard, but not from her. Johnny Depp says that while he handed the initial 100,000 as promised 3.5 million to the hospital foundation in her name, in 2019, a letter from the organization to Amber asked her, if you have knowledge of CHLA should expect further installments on your behalf, or if the pledge will not be fulfilled. Needless to say, she didn't finish paying them out. Even though she was caught up in legal battles, that wasn't until two years after the divorce. So where did that money go? Johnny Depp's lawyers claim that it was a calculated and manipulative lie Amber told to strengthen her credit and make her appear better than when she came out with these allegations. Andrew Calicott representing Johnny Depp stated, if the truth about the charity claim emerged at the trial, it would have materially affected Mr. Justice Nichols' consideration of Ms. Heard's evidence as a whole. The evidence presented a wholly exceptional act of philanthropy, which would have deeply impressed any reasonable person. Her public statements expressly stated that the ACLU donation had victims of domestic violence specifically in mind. The subliminal message of the charity claim was in any event clear. Miss Heard would not wish to keep any of Mr. Depp's money because he had subjected her to serious violence. The evidence presented and was obviously intended to present her in the strongest terms as both virtuous and a victim. And I have absolutely no way of knowing if this was a calculated move or not. It certainly does make Amber look good to publicly donate millions of dollars to a charity, pledging to get on that impressive donor list. But celebrities do this all the time. If she had instantly come out after their divorce, donated the money, then made allegations, I might've been more inclined to believe that this was a calculated move. However, because two years did pass between the divorce settlement and the defamation suit, I'm more on the fence about taking Caldecott's word for it. Regardless, it just doesn't look great that she promised this money and then never actually followed through, especially when she wasn't caught up in legal expensive battles for years. Finally, all of this media frenzy came to a head and the suit ended. Unfortunately, as I'm sure many of you knew before you even you know, checked out this episode, Depp lost the libel case. His case cost around 5 million pounds or $7 million in legal costs. Plus he'll likely have to cover a significant percentage of the winner's legal costs. The last number that I've seen thrown around is about $840,000. The thing is, many of you may question why with all of this would Johnny Depp lose? There's so much evidence against Amber, so much proof, and even a recorded admission that she hit him, right? Well, what's important to recognize here is that again, this is not a criminal case. 
Hell, because it was a libel case, the standard was different. The son didn't even need to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Johnny abused Amber. Just the material was proved to be true on a balance of possibilities. This is a much, much lower standard to achieve and the son was able to because yes, I do think that it's possible that Johnny hit Amber and that's all the son needed to prove. Amber undoubtedly hit Johnny. She admitted it in recordings, but that fact doesn't matter in terms of the suit. Johnny Depp lost not because he wasn't abused too, but because the son was technically allowed to call him a wife beater if there was enough of a possibility at stake. Other sources explain this a bit differently and state, British libel law works differently from the American version. In short, in the United States, the burden of proof for libel is on the person claiming to have been libeled. That is the plaintiff has to demonstrate that what was written is false, at least in cases involving matters of public concern. In the United Kingdom, the burden of proof is on the party accused of libel. That is the son had to prove that what it published about Depp was true. A judge held that it had met that burden and that 12 of 14 of Amber's accusations of abuse met the threshold for truth in civil court. Depp's attorneys say they plan to appeal. Again, because this was a libel case and not a criminal one, and it wasn't another country, this played out a lot differently than many people may have expected. I wasn't there in court, so I don't know exactly what was said. While the legal system in any country makes mistakes, I'm not about to sit here and say that judge was wrong or biased. I can't know that. If the judge genuinely believed that there was sufficient evidence to prove 12 of Amber's 14 accusations, then they very well may have happened. I'm curious to know if the phone incident was one of those since the police officer that testified said she saw no marks. However, I also believe that if the case were about Johnny's abuse making the threshold for truth in civil court, there would be multiple accusations of his given some validity as well. This case simply wasn't about that though. Depp's lawyers insist that Amber is a liar who deliberately tried hiding and playing down her own misuse of alcohol and drugs. They claim she chopped and changed her evidence and that Heard's alleged bruises were magic bruises that only appear when she is on her own or with friends, but never appear when she is out or anyone independently films them. They were key to all of this, yet she didn't go to the police or a hospital, said Sherborne. Mr. Depp, far from being the domestic abuser, is the domestic abused. As of March, 2021, Johnny's appeals have been denied and a judge said his appeal had no real prospect of success. Shortly after he lost the appeal, Johnny Depp was fired from the Fantastic Beast franchise from his role as Grindelwald, sparking absolute outrage among the fans. He was even fired from his role as Captain Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean, though rumors at Disney persist that he may be hired back if he's able to get an appeal or retrial. Though that would be an expensive process for Johnny that he really can't afford right now, especially after his accountants didn't pay his taxes for almost two decades and with his lavish spending, of course, too. As of writing this, nothing is completely set in stone. There doesn't look to be any word of other Pirates of the Caribbean movies, so time will tell on that one. I can understand why fans would want him back, but it's hardly any wonder why corporations would be hesitant to cast him after such a public downfall. Now, The Sun doubled down, seemingly reveling in their victory and wrote an article in late 2020, yet again, painting Johnny Depp as the sole abuser in this case. Their headline read, on behalf of all domestic abuse survivors, we can confirm Johnny Depp is a wife beater. They paint Amber as a complete victim and make no mention of her alleged abuse towards him. The son also claims that his severed finger was from him throwing bottles at her, not the other way around. I'm not an expert in throwing champagne bottles, but it does seem more likely that you'd be injured by having one thrown at you than picking one up and throwing it, right? I actually really like how one particular article written by Shannon Ashley on Medium sums this whole thing up. 
She reminds her readers that we don't know either Amber or Johnny, and therefore we may never know the truth on how these situations actually played out. In part, she writes, Johnny's battle isn't over yet. He's still got a libel suit to be tried in the US, and many people believe the actor will appeal the UK verdict. In the court of public opinion, however, Johnny Depp has clearly won. The tapes are chilling. I don't know anyone who can listen to Amber Heard berate Johnny and feel good about siding with her. Frankly, I don't know too many people who side with her at all. It's led to an exceptionally tragic and inflamed public narrative. The narrative goes something like this. The judge was biased. Depp was victimized by Amber Heard, victimized by the media, and now victimized by the UK courts, all because he's a man. The courts tend to side with women over men and the injustice against Depp only goes to show just how biased we are about believing men. And that's just scratching the surface. Everywhere I go on social media, I am bombarded by people claiming to know that Depp is innocent. They claim it as if they know the man themselves and as if knowing a man to be good to you or anyone else could ever actually be proof of his innocence. Honestly, I don't have a tidy little narrative for this one, but I also don't believe that all abusers or survivors fit into a box. I think we do ourselves a tremendous disservice when we label Herd or Depp the chief abuser. Money and fame weren't enough to protect them from the trauma of domestic abuse. Maybe that's the more important takeaway here. Now, I did intend to end today's episode here. However, not long after I wrote the script, there's been more information that's come out involving Amber's emails. Presently, it does seem like there will be more legal action coming up as there's speculation that Johnny intends to sue over the article from the Washington Post. One Daily Mail article wrote about this recently on May 27th and stated the following. A bitter defamation lawsuit is now brewing between Johnny Depp and the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, after new documents revealed the nonprofit staff penned the explosive domestic violence op-ed at the center of the actor's 50 million libel suit against ex-wife Amber Heard. A trove of emails seen by dailymail.com suggests that Heard 35 had minimal input in the December 2018 article, which was written by an ACLU strategist then submitted to her for approval. The draft went through multiple legal revisions with Heard's lawyers anxious not to mention Depp, 57 by name, or breach a non-disclosure agreement in the former couple's $7 million divorce settlement. But when it appeared in the Washington Post, Depp sued instead for libel, arguing the 1000 word essay entitled, I spoke up against sexual violence and faced our culture's wrath, was a clear reference to their failed marriage and falsely labeled him an abuser. The ACLU is slowly getting more and more involved in this legal battle, and the emails do seem to reveal that the ACLU staff came up with the idea for the op-ed, not Amber. One woman, Robin, even seems to have suggested changes to the article itself, not just minor edits, but what look to be larger changes within the article itself. This, according to Depp's lawyers, proved that the ACLU were co-conspirators in this defamation, though Amber Heard's lawyers state that Amber never claimed to be the sole author of that op-ed. I will say there is something off about this entire situation because while I do understand an editor making suggestions and advice, even changing wording so it might read a little smoother, this does not seem to get into editors potentially changing content. Now that's just my personal opinion though. Now that these emails have been released, it does seem like this adds more ammunition for Depp's legal defense, but it's really far too soon to tell still. Again, I have no idea what happened behind closed doors and I am still of the opinion that we really can't judge celebrities' private lives based on what the media states, but this certainly doesn't look good from an outside perspective. 
This case is still being updated and I may fall behind again as it continues to grow. But as of now, this is a comprehensive overview of what I could give and find about this entire very tangled web of just whatever this situation is. But with all of that being said, that's where I'm going to end today's episode of The Corporate Casket. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you learned something new. Let me know your thoughts as well. And if you wanna connect with me outside of these episodes, make sure to check out my Linktree link. It's gonna have all of the little social media links and all that shenanigans to connect with me on projects and whatever else I'm working on. So thank you all so much for making it to another episode. I love you all and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.